Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, welcome everybody to Locked On Lakers. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan, and I'm just going to be honest with you. If my voice sounds a little rough, I'm a little sick right now. I'm fighting through it. This is uh, it's another flu game for me in a year seemingly full of them, unfortunately. And meanwhile, my normal co-host, Anthony Irwin, the, the Lakers, the, there was an older team. They, they used to, one of them got in trouble for ending huddles with 1-2-3 Cancun, and Anthony decided to take that literally with seven games left in the season and has said one, two, three, have a sue and peaced out on me. So before I get into who's replacing him, I wanted to remind you that as always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Stitcher, TuneIn, and today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOLAKERS to get a $20 rebate on your first ticketing purchase. It's the best mobile application for buying tickets. Please support them like they've supported our show from day one. And now I bring in Gary Kester, who writes with me at Silver Screen and Roll, and I don't have a I don't have a second thing. How's it going, Gary? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. I was going to say, uh, I think once I I get on a podcast with you where you're healthy, it's just going to be the a healthy game because you're always sick every time I'm on now. Yeah, it's been like the the last the last couple weeks have been a little weird. It's uh, that's been unfortunate, but I'm all right. I'm going to hang in there. And uh, you know, just like the Lakers and you guys have hung in there with us. There, there's seven games left. I know we're all kind of counting them down, but you're going to probably miss these games when they're gone. I just speaking from past off seasons experience, and I'm sure that you guys are more than well uh, more than well aware of that. But Gary, I, I want it with seven games left. What are you looking for out of these Lakers? I thought this would be the exercise we do today. Just our, our seven things that we're looking for with seven games left to play. Well, I think the first one, this isn't really speaking for me necessarily, but for most Laker fans, we're looking for seven losses. Uh, Lakers right now second in the, uh, the pre-lottery standings. Obviously, the order is going to change, uh, I think, in May 19th or something. How dare you acknowledge that possibility? <laughs> I mean, the Lakers are going to jump to one. Come on. No, but, uh, yeah, so they're second right now, and it's, you know, razor-thin margin between the them and the Suns for second and third, just a game difference uh, in the win column. So uh, if they – I mean, <laughs> this is kind of a weird way to put it, but they control their own destiny uh, in terms of their, their lottery odds. So uh, if they lose these last seven, they'll, they'll have the second-best odds. Yeah, and it, it's big because it is like a nine to ten percent difference in lottery odds if they can hold on to that 
set that second worst record, which is a big deal when you're talking about potentially not just losing this year's pick, but losing the 2019 first to Orlando if they lose this year's. Yeah, no, and and I think that's the biggest thing that I I look at with this pick is that you're basically, I mean, if you keep it, you keep two picks. So that's I mean that's huge because that gives. The Lakers a lot more flexibility if they try and swing a trade this summer, maybe for a guy like Paul George, um, you know, and it just, it gives them, it, like I said, it gives them options moving forward. If they don't have that 2019 first rounder, um, cause they lose this pick, obviously they'll have their pick next year that they can't trade unless they use it or until after they use it. But then, you know, it just kind of, it still makes the, the draft forecast for the next few years a little murky still. So. Yeah, and it would also mean that they'd most likely have to tank again next year, whereas if they kept the pick this year, they're losing it no matter what, and there's no incentive to tank. So they may not be good, but there's no incentive to be bad, which is something that we've kind of seen this year. Yeah, and and the earlier they can kind of get out of this this hole that they're in with their draft pick situation, just the better off the franchise is going to be, you know. Uh, just keeping the pick this year obviously means that, yeah, like you said, they don't have their first rounder next year if that's the case. But then after that, you know, they don't have any other first round picks that are owed. So it'll just be second rounders, and you know, they'll their pick situation will be kind of back to normal, pretty much. And honestly, if you think about it, the Lakers really shouldn't have to give Orlando a first round pick for Dwight. Like they did them a favor <laughs> taking that guy off their hands. Really, Orlando won that trade when you look back on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by not having Dwight, I think they did win that trade. <laughs> okay, so, was... so for me, one, one of the things that I'm looking for is I want to see these Laker big men continue to shoot threes, which is something that we've kind of harped on this season, but they only started doing it in recent games. And over the last 15 Randall is shooting 33.3%, Nance is shooting 28.6%, and both of those obviously are subpar. And I don't think anybody was expecting them to come out and shoot 40% from three right off the bat. But just the fact that they're shooting them is good, the fact that they're getting confidence shooting them in real game situations is good, and the Lakers are getting data on whether or not these guys will ever space the floor. And then you have Zubots, who since he was allowed to start shooting threes, is shooting 93% on them. I'm just kidding. He, <laughs> he, he missed all three of his three-point attempts in the NBA this year. But... He did shoot 36.4% on them in the D-League, and like I said, he's only taken three in the NBA, so I have a feeling that 0% will tick back up a little bit at the very least, provided he kind of gets over this ankle injury. But I don't know, Gary, where are you at on this? I, I just feel like it's the Lakers just need to figure out if these guys can shoot threes or not. Yeah, no, you, you mentioned Randall shooting 33% here as of late. Honestly, like if that's his percentage for his career, honestly, I think that's a big win considering where his jump shot was uh, coming into the NBA. Like, I mean, he just didn't have that ability at all, you know. So, even getting to that number where he makes one out of three, that's that's tremendous progress, especially this far um, into his career. You know, this you know this being you know he's only twenty two, I believe now. So, I mean, it's it's progress, and then I think with Nance. 
like just the getting him to shoot the ball is a big step forward because he's so unselfish that he passes up a lot of open shots. And- yeah, I, I I saw Lakers Outsiders tweet tonight. I'm not sure who was running the account tonight, but I saw them tweet that every time Larry Nance shoots, a puppy's born. So Larry Nance needs to shoot more. And you know if that doesn't <laughs> convince him to shoot a little bit more, then I don't know. It's just a lost cause because he. You know, he's he doesn't want to shoot. I think he he'd admit that. That's just not he doesn't feel like it's his game, but he he needs to be a willing shooter at the he can't always hesitate and always look for the next pass because it makes you way too easy to guard. Yeah, and 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 teams will pick up on that and you and know and then they'll Yeah, and they'll keep leaving him open and then they'll just try and take away the next pass and and you know, and then at that point he kind of looks a little scrambled a little bit where he was like, Oh, I was going to swing it over here, but they just took that away. And, and now he's kind of just thinking a little too much about it. So uh, just getting him into that kind of habit of just catching and shooting if he's open. And I think that's, I, I like the fact that Luke Walton has kind of preached that to these, these big guys, you know, down the, down the stretch here is that like, Hey, if you're open, shoot it, even if it's a three point shot. Cause you know, they're, they're not good three point shooters, but I mean, I, I know when they, when they take them, I know there's a chance that they're going to make them like they're relatively capable, I guess is the best way I could put it. Um, so yeah, you want to definitely at least see what you have. And then it, you know, if they work on it in the off season, uh, start to build a little more confidence, get a little bit better at it and it becomes a weapon for them, then that's, that's great. But this is, these are definitely the games that you want to try stuff like that and see kind of what you have and, and experiment a little bit and then kind of, you know, use that, that knowledge that you've gained going forward. And like I said, the will, just the willingness to shoot it is something that's huge. And even for Nance, that was a struggle. We're recording this after the Lakers lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're not going to talk about that game. It was, there's just not a lot of, t- not a lot to take away from it. But Larry Nance in that game, there was one point where he, sh- he did shoot, I believe it was, a, it was either a three or a very long two. And he raised up, he pump faked, there was still, no, he pump faked no one, there was no one near him, came back down, kind of looked for the pass, and then looked, uh, and then looked up again, thought about shooting, thought about it for a second, and then went ahead and fired away. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's, and that's what I'm talking about, is like, just getting that to be part of his, his thought process is, if he catches it, and unless there's something obviously wide open where you make the extra pass, say like if you know he catches it out on the wing and then D'Angelo standing there by himself in the corner, like yeah, that's probably a, an extra pass that you want to see to a guy that's a, a better shooter. But you know when there's not an easy play like that, just catch and catch it and shoot it. Especially in these last seven games, maybe you know to start the year next year if he hasn't gotten better there, you know maybe that's something. You have then a you different. Start saying, okay, maybe this isn't your game, but, the, but he's right. got to shoot a little bit and at least make defenses play him honestly. Right, exactly, and even like I said, even if it's from fifteen feet out, like those are shots you've got to take. And you know, th- these last seven games, you're not playing for anything. Like, let him fly. Yeah. Hey, let it fly. Should uh, we got to convince Larry Nance that that for that to be his motto, no matter what? Let it fly, Larry. All right, so Gary, what what's your next? What what's the next thing you want to see from the Lakers uh, in these last seven games? This one is honestly probably the most important thing, um, <laughs> but I just want to see everybody stay healthy. You know, you don't come in down. I don't want to jinx them. 
either, by the way. So knock on wood here. I just you don't want to see like any major injuries in these meaningless games. You know, we obviously preach giving the young players a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, in these games where you're not playing for anything. And you want to just get them as many reps as possible. But at the same time, you don't want to overwork them and, and you know, risk injury. Um, so the big thing, obviously, we want the the best draft odds or lottery odds possible. But, you know, if, if the team gets through these seven games healthy, um, you know, and they can kind of go into the offseason healthy and then get, you know, take some time off and then gear up to, to start preparing for next season, I think that's a big win. Yeah, and Jordan Clarkson, he just passed Brandon Ingram in total minutes for the season tonight, tonight, or I guess two games ago. But Brandon Ingram, to that point, had been leading the Lakers in minutes and leading all rookies in minutes. And I think that you're starting to see, like, when he has patellar tendonitis, I think that that's, uh, I would imagine, at least somewhat to do with being overused. Or not necessarily overused, but just playing a lot. Well, it's it's probably a combination of being a little bit overused and the fact that this is his first 82 game season, you know, yeah. at college, college is so different because, you know, very rarely do you have a back to back in college unless you're in like a mid season tournament, like the Maui Invitational or something like that. Usually you'll have like two or three days off in between games. Sometimes it's one. Um, but the, the season's also like 40 games long. So, you know, the, I mean, it's a big adjustment, you know, just just everything with the, the amount of travel, the back to backs. Uh, the games are longer, just everything like that. So, yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of nice that they're being uh, cautious with Ingram with this with this whole knee injury because, yeah, you don't want to overwork him because, I mean, obviously his frame, probably not built to kind of withstand that, that much usage. But he, He's essentially a skeleton with skin. <laughs> yeah, so you don't – I'm honestly I'm, – I'm thrilled that he's kind of made it this far given that – you know, he has played so much this year um, and his body's held up for the most part. So, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the exact thing you don't want to run into. And with him, you know, well, I think with a lot of rookies, it's 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 tough because it's so different. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, OK, so before we get into what the other four things that we were going to talk about that we want to see in these final seven games, I did want to take a second to talk about the Locked On Network, which as Locked On Lakers, we are a part of and there is a there's a podcast for every single other NBA team. There's a fantasy basketball podcast. There's Locked On NBA, which is once a week talking about the whole league. And then there's also an entire NFL Locked On podcast network where even if you're a Laker fan, maybe you don't want to listen to another NBA team's podcast. I I understand that. You still should. They're all good. But if you just want, but you might have a favorite NFL team that you want to listen to a podcast about. Maybe it's the Rams. Maybe you're weird like Anthony, and you think that the Vikings are like the Lakers' sister team. Or maybe you want you're a Chargers fan or a Raiders fan or whatever. If you want the latest updates on your team, the Locked On Network has an NFL podcast for you. So be sure to give the give those a listen if you want to learn about the NFL in the same way that you listen to our Locked On Lakers show. Okay, so Gary, we talked a little bit about health, and I I think that kind of brings us seamlessly into something that I want to see health permitting. Uh, Zubats tonight against the Timberwolves, uh, about two minutes into the game, sprained his ankle. Or as of right now, they're calling it a sprained ankle. He's going to be reevaluated Friday morning, so we may have more info by the time that you're listening to this. But health permitting, 
I'd like to see him start to get a few more fourth quarter minutes. I know Luke's tendency has been to go small and that, but my thing is the Lakers are getting lit up defensively no matter what. And when he goes small with the Randall Nance front court, then I'm kind of okay with that. Get those guys some experience playing together. But if he's going small with like Thomas Robinson or something down the stretch, and that's just kind of pointless. And Robinson really only played against Minnesota because Zubats was out. But I'd like to see Zubats get a few more of those closing minutes, and I think he'd probably like to see that too, I'd imagine. Yeah, and like you said, the Lakers, I don't know if the Lakers could put together a good defensive lineup with this roster. So. No, they can't. you you got to try and get your best offensive lineup out there. Yeah, and I mean, there's times where Zubats is actually, you know, an effective rim protector. Uh, he still has a long way to go just defensively overall. Um, but the, but he has his moments, you know, he's shown shown flashes of, of rim protection. So, um, yeah, you know, it, you definitely want him to get those minutes because I think – uh, he's he certainly established himself as a as a key member of this core moving forward at that center position, which um, you know it'll be interesting to see kind of what they what they do with that going into next year with Mozgov and that contract on the books and and Zubats has another offseason to get better and, and improve his game. But um, yeah, no, if if he's healthy, you definitely want to get him those minutes. It's the same thing with guys like D'Angelo Russell and, and Clarkson and Randall, um, you know. You, you want to just get them uh, that experience, you know, those repetitions so that when they encounter those situations again, they've kind of been there before and they, they kind of understand uh, certain things they, they should do and they shouldn't do. And, and uh, you know, it's just not – it's not new to them when they finally encounter it in, in meaningful games. So, and they get experience playing together in that kind of meat grinder of the fourth quarter when teams are really, really locked in, especially down the stretch here mm-hmm. when they're going to be playing a couple teams that are fighting for playoff seeding. Yeah, it's it's all about that ex- that experience. So, like I said, to you know, when they encounter it again, they're they just kind of understand it a little bit more, and they're you know, like the, they're more experienced. They they just understand it. So, uh, but yeah, you definitely want want him out there unless. You know, like you said, they got Nance and Randall out there together. But I think if he's healthy, you got to sprinkle him in there in certain situations too, and kind of balance it out a little bit more, um, and and get the big fella some some playing time down the stretch. Yeah, I want to see some sky hooks to close out games. <laughs> a skyhook game winner. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. hold on. Well, hold your horses. <laughs> Don't contradict yourself. Okay. A, uh, a, sky, a hook. sky hook with five seconds left that is tragically upended on the other end when the other team hits a game winner. There you go. I was going to say force overtime, and then you lose in overtime, but that yeah, works something too. something like so. that. <laughs> Hashtag team tank. Yeah, there you go. All right, so, Gary, what is outside of Zubats playing down the stretch? We got three more take, three more things we want to see here down the stre- in these last seven games for the Lakers. So what is your next one? Speaking of being contra- contradictory of, of the tank, but uh, uh, I want less Tyler Ennis fourth quarter minutes. Uh, the other night, he he played a lot in the fourth quarter. And tank I really... God, Tyler Ennis. In, <laughs> in their, not against Minnesota, but in their previous game. They, they could not have pulled that loss out of their hats without without the play of Tyler Ennis in his t-shirt. Yeah, against against uh, Washington. By the uh, way, I don't know. This is random, but as long as we're talking about Tyler Ennis, did you know that his older brother is playing for Oregon? 
Uh, yes. I had no idea that this was a real thing, but apparently he has a 25-year-old older brother that's still playing in college. Yes, I've been, you know, as, as a North Carolina fan, I've been looking at a bunch of Oregon stuff for this weekend. And, uh, yeah, I came across that and I was like, holy crap, he'll be 26 by the time the next NBA season rolls around. So uh, that was, yeah, that was definitely really weird. But. Anyway, I got us off track. You were talking about why you don't <laughs> want to see Tyler Ennis play anymore. Well, I mean, you, you just, he's just not very good i mean like he he does some nice things sometimes but ultimately his physical limitations are what kind of does him in you know he's not a very good athlete by nba standards um he's he's a very small point guard not overly quick or anything like that so um you know he just really struggles out there and i don't think he's a long-term piece moving forward so i think it'd be more beneficial to uh, just give those minutes to to a guy like Russell or Clarkson or or Nawaba, you know, one of those other guards that could be on the team next year and and, and years down the line. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I just don't really see the point. And I know it may sound contradictory when we're saying the Lakers need to tank, but the Lakers shouldn't play this guy who we don't think is very good. And to be fair to Ennis, he was he had one of the better games of anyone against the Timberwolves. So I, I should we should put that caveat out there. But overall, I'm with you. I don't think he's a very good NBA player. And I don't think that the Lakers should, frankly, be wasting their time that they have to give that they have left over these last seven games on him and figure it because I think that at this point, a couple years into his career, we kind of know that he's not really that great. And so I think like, like you said, they'd be better served giving those minutes to guys who they think can maybe be something. Yeah, no, I, I like the deal at the time at the trade deadline, uh, to get him because you take a flyer on a guy like that and see oh you know how does he do in this system with you know with these players maybe he kind of finds something and and you get a cheap a cheap piece you know for a few years or something like that but i think uh just just watching him since since uh, the february deadline there there was reason why he was you know he was traded for marcelo huertas who was then waived later on so yeah he's uh, had a couple nice moments but overall i just haven't been overly impressed and yeah, it, it I mean, should be said he seems like a really good guy. I just don't think that he's part of the Lakers' long-term plans. Exactly. Yeah, like I don't have anything against Tyler Ennis, although he did go to Syracuse, which is an ACC rival now. But, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, like I said, nothing against Ennis. Like I, I don't have anything against him personally or anything. I just don't think he's kind of uh, in the plans moving forward. Yeah, well, so as far as a guy who is in the plans moving forward, or we think, and will be eligible for an extension this summer, Julius Randle. And I'd like to see, the Lakers seem to have found something with him and his playmaking over the last little while, and he has, over their last couple games, he has had, uh, over their last 10, excuse me, he's had a 16.3 assist percentage. And he's been, like, fourth on the team in assists over that time period. And he's been third on the team in average assists with 3.6 per game over the last 10. And that may not sound over the top, but running a little bit more of their offense through Julius Randle is something that I'd like to see. And I think it is it is tough given the lack of shooting that they have on their roster. But that's even more reason to have whatever other big he's playing with being willing to bomb away from distance. So that at least if they collapse on Randle, you can, number one, see if he's going to make the right play. And number two, see if the guy that he hits can shoot at all. 
Right, right. And you've got to definitely it's going to you're going to have to tweak certain lineups so that he can do that because you want to try and maximize as much shooting as you can. And with the young guys in the lineup, I would imagine I mean it's it's basically the lineup that they kind of seem to like to finish with now with Russell, Clarkson, uh, Ingram when he's healthy and then probably Nance, um, maybe Zubots uh, since he can kind of step out from 15 to 20 feet and be effective from there. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely want to see that because that's kind of the, the thing with Randall that I always see. It's just kind of a, it's, it's a back and forth battle between seeing Randall, the guy that wants to score or Randall, the guy that's very unselfish and he's looking to create for others. Um, and I think the latter is, is the better option moving forward. Although I think, you know, he's got to utilize both. There's always, you know, you're always trying to balance, but but yeah, no, he's definitely ha- he has that ability, and I'd be curious to see how he would do next year if the Lakers are able to add a few more shooters, you know, yeah, and give too. him more That's, space. I, I think if they could get him a little bit more space, then I'm really intrigued. Mm-hmm. And, and it would help too if he would have a you know if he'd finish a little bit more with his right hand, or at least I think that's what I want to see out of Randall too. These last seven games is every time he drives right, just try and shoot with your right hand. Like he had a, he had a drive tonight where you know he drove to his right and he came back to his left and he missed it because of it. If he had just gone up with his right, he would have had a, a much better angle on the shot. So uh, yeah, no, I definitely want to see him utilize more, but I also want to see him kind of branch out a little bit in these last seven games and try things that he's not necessarily comfortable with, but things he's going to have to get better at to be a, become a better player. Yeah, if you're sensing a theme with the things that I want to see, a lot of it's Randall is because he's the guy that they have this deadline on the soonest that they need to figure out if he's a part of the long-term core, the mo- like the soonest this summer, because they either have the option to extend him, which if I had to guess right now, I don't think that they do. I think that they're going to put, they're going to save as much cap space as they can for next summer. But yeah. I mean, it's a possibility and either way the clock is ticking and you have to figure out if you want to keep him in restricted free agency, you have to figure out what types of players he can play with next year and all of that stuff. And so I think it's really important to figure out how much of a playmaker he can be. And I have seen enough games where he passes the ball well to have confidence that he can do that. I think it's just a matter of consistency, which is kind of a theme with this whole roster. Yeah, and for him, he can also create not just from his passing, but with his screen setting as well, because that's an that's an area of his game that's been up and down. I think um, when Russell scored forty against Cleveland, when I went back and watched that, there was a there was a number of, of plays that he really freed up a lot of space for Russell because he set solid contact on. Yeah, screens. he was really crushing guys instead of sli- slipping the screen that game. Yeah, and you know we talk about you know creating from passing, but like for big guys, that's a huge part of the offense. Is if you if you just set even if it's a simple high pick and roll action, you set a solid screen. All of a sudden, you've got a five on four. Like you have a numbers advantage over the defense, and that creates a lot of different openings if you if you execute it right. So uh, for him, he's and he's he's so big and so strong too that he should be a really good screen setter. And he should just be punishing guys that, you know, try and fight over the top or, you know, whatever the case may be. But if he can kind of get more consistent with that, that's going to open up a lot more for for the guards. And I think that'll open up a lot of things for him, too. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, when he does slip that screen and he gets the ball, don't stand there and jab step for, you know, five seconds. Move the ball or make a move. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You want to be want to see him more decisive. Like if you're going to get it and shoot, then just then catch him fire if you got space. And if you know they're playing up on you, go to the bucket. Yeah, I agree. So final thing, what is your the last thing that you want to see from these final seven games? Well, this kind of ties into my less Tyler and his fourth quarter minutes, but I just want to see D'Angelo Russell's usage rate. Just I want it to skyrocket these last seven games. So the, basically, the pa- just to recap, I'm subtweeting Luke about Randall, and you're subtweeting him about Russell. Yes. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily Luke's fault. I feel like there's been a couple games here lately that, um, no, notably the the Cleveland game where Russell had 40 points, and then the Washington game the other night where I think he had 29. Uh, and he just was stuffing the stat sheet, but he played extremely well in those those two games, and through th- through three quarters. And then I think in the fourth quarter, defenses kind of started to blitz him a little bit, forcing the ball out of his hands a little bit more. Um, but like nights like tonight, I think there was opportunities to get him the ball and let him kind of create for the offense, either for himself or for others. And they played through Jordan Clarkson and, and Thomas Robinson for whatever reason. Uh, so they, you know, they, they miss, they miss some, some opportunities offensively. Um, you know, if, if he's getting rid of the ball because they're blitzing him because he's played extremely well, you live with that, right? You know, you live with that, him not forcing it and kind of like if they double off the, the pick and roll and they blitz him and it creates a four on three, you take that all, all, all day. But, but yeah, no, they just got to feature him a little bit more, especially, um, in games like tonight where he didn't necessarily play really well um but you still got to go to him i mean he's your best player right now so you got to get him the ball yeah i agree 100 percent. so i i think that kind of i mean i just don't have anything to add on russell so i think that kind of does it for our seven things that we want to see over those final seven games so just to recap we want to see seven losses we want to see the bigs continue to shoot more threes we want to see health We want to see more Zubats fourth quarter minutes, less Tyler Ennis fourth quarter minutes. We want to see Randall do a bit more playmaking, and we want to see Russell's usage rate, especially in fourth quarters, another theme here, tick back up. And more Mark Madsen dancing. Yes, more Mark Madsen sideline (laughs) dancing, bonus eighth thing we want to see. So I don't know if that stuff is going to line up with what you guys think. If it does or if it doesn't, go ahead and tweet at myself, at H.M. Fagan, or at Gary Kester is your at, I believe, Gary. Yes. Yes. It's a... it's pretty spicy. Yeah, kept it, we kept it real simple there. You, we made him easy to find. So, Gary, thank you for coming on the show, and Godspeed to you these last seven games. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. All right, so one last reminder. As always, you can find our full shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Stitcher. Tune in in today's Fast Break. I nailed those, Anthony. Uh, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the promo code LOLakers to get a $20 rebate on your first ticketing purchase. We will be back talking to you again on Monday. We will record Sunday night and talk to you guys Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you later. 